Welcome everybody to our first ever episode of Tom Socks Conversations here at home with two faces that you might recognize. Our Tom Socks head coach, Corey Kohler, is with me as well as Tom Socks director of player acquisitions, Jeff Burton. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me, David. I, I appreciate this. I'm looking forward to having a good discussion and talking about the Tom Sox and, and the summer of 2021. <laughs> I'm doing well too, David. Thank you for, uh, thank you and Drew for pulling this thing together and uh, it's good to see all your faces. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, Jeff, we're going to start with you. So we built um, quite a substantial roster coming in to this last summer, what would have been the summer 2020 season which will now move to summer 2021. So walk me through sort of how you've developed some of those relationships with schools to get these big name guys and also some of the smaller names that might perform very well in comparison to those big name guys over the summer. Yeah, um, you know, it's been a process. Um, we, we started the relationship building for this um, organization in the summer of 2014, which was actually a full year before we actually hit the field and that summer, I, um, I got in the car with my then 14-year-old son and um, made a bunch of campus visits to coaches, that, um, some of which are still at those schools and, and uh, sending us players. But, you know, as, as happens in this business, um, coaches move as well. And um, I was thinking today about uh, uh, the 2017 team, which was really the first year where I recruited the team. Uh, Joe Koshansky did it the first year. Mike Potawano and I kind of shared the responsibility in 2016. In 2017, my first two players signed that year were with a new relationship that I built with a uh, with Carl Nonemaker, who at the time was the recruiting coordinator at, at uh, Old Dominion. You know, I was looking for, um, you know, just studs. Normally when I go to a place like Old Dominion, I'm getting a sophomore or a junior and somebody who's got experience and a history. And he said, Jeff, you've got to take a chance on a young man named Vinny Pasquatina. And um, Vinny turned out to be kind of the charismatic leader of a national championship 2017 roster. Carl Nodemaker later that fall moved to Auburn. And Auburn really has become in the last two years one of the powerhouse schools that sends us their absolute best players that don't go to the Cape. And interestingly, um, Carl Nonemaker is also the guy who got me in touch with Corey Kohler, who's on this phone call. So a year ago when I was searching for our next coach, um, he was the first name that, that, that uh, uh, Carl Nonemaker mentioned. I actually called Corey not to recruit him to be our coach at that time. I called him to learn who he was and what he was all about and how we might help Sam Jack and, and they help us. And, um, I think at the end of that conversation, it was when Corey said, um, hey, at some point in time, I've always wanted to do this. What about if I came up and coached your team this year? And so, so I thought that was kind of an interesting story uh, because it really went from um, what a cold call when I first met Carl Notemaker. He was referred to me by the UVA coaches, but I called him. I took a chance on a player. That player became great. That player, that coach then moved on to Auburn and became one of our, our great SEC referrals partners. And that, that relationship ultimately um, brought us our, our 2020 and hopefully 2021 coach. So we, we've got great kids that are coming in here, and I want to dive into some of the names that would have been on the 2020 roster. And, heck, we're a good bit into 2021 recruiting already, but um, that's, probably, uh, that's probably the intro anyway. So. Mm -hmm. Remember that phone call, Corey, uh, 
It's probably about this time last summer, maybe a little later than this, but it, yeah, it, it, I remember it like you know, like it was yesterday. I, I you know, I, I'd heard of the Valley League, and and we'd sent some guys to the Valley League the previous year, um, and, and not to Charlottesville, but I, I believe we were sending them. Trying to think of the team. Yeah, you had Percival in there because Jose Percival. was up there that that summer. Yeah. And uh, so and, and you know, it, it's a great league. I'd heard a lot about the the history of the league. Um, Charlottesville, obviously, being one of the newer teams, um, hadn't heard much other than what I did a little research after having talked to Jeff the first time. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of a bucket list deal. I've never really coached a, a high-level collegiate league. Um, and, and I thought, you know what, I've got two kids. I've got a wife. I've really got to convince her that it's going to be worth her time and my time. And, you know, she works full-time, so she wouldn't be able to come up for a majority of the summer. But, you know, it would be a good good for her to come up and, and – visit Charlottesville, which is an amazing town, um, and, and we looked forward to it, and I look forward to it next year. So I'm fired up about Charlottesville. I'm, I'm looking forward to being at one of the premier uh, collegiate league teams in the entire country, and, you know, we kind of want to take it from where it is at the top of, you know, the, the, the Valley League and put it on the map and, and make it a, a consistent um, uh, a winner on, the, on a higher level and, and be – you know, on that collegiate league ranking up towards the top with those Cape teams and those Northwood teams and, and, and so on and so forth. So um, they've already set the stage for me to come in. Uh, pressure's kind of on me just to keep winning. And, and that's what I like to do is win a lot of ball games. And I know with the, how hard Jeff works and, and putting this team together um, that we're going to have a good club. And I know for sure our fans definitely appreciate the winning as well. Um, so, of course, a lot of high-level players were recruited for this 2020 team. And for both of you, who were some of those players that stood out to you as major players who could have made a big impact in the Valley League this season? Yeah, Corey, you want to you take this one? Or you made a, you made a hit on it and uh, you fill in the gaps. Either one, it's fine with me. So. Um, I'll, st- I'll start off. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that, that uh, Jeff was able to get are from Power 5 schools. And, it, you know, we, we at San Jack, I do – Myself and Eric Weaver do the majority of the, of the recruiting, and we try and recruit Power 5 guys to San Jack that can come in and be, be guys for us. So a lot of the guys that I look through our roster of who we had, I've known, whether it's been in the select circuit at Jupiter, Florida, or, or Atlanta, uh, Georgia, through either Perfect Game or uh, PBR events, five-tool events, I know a lot of them. So I could tell that there was a lot of effort that went into this, that there was uh, – a good relationship, and that's the biggest part of, of recruiting is having a good relationship with, with other coaches and with programs. And Jeff's done a great job from, you know, the University of Florida and Auburn and Georgia and, and the University of Virginia. I, these are Power 5 programs, and then you fill them in with really good, really, really good mid-major schools. These, some of these players are fantastic, players that I've known for a long time, Xander Hamilton and Mikhail Hilliard and – um, you know, the, 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 the Gio Rivera kid, uh, these are all kids that have played for high-level select teams that I've recruited. Um, and so I, it, it was exciting for me. I think that the, the level of competition amongst the team itself, that in and of itself is going to make these guys better. And our job is to win, obviously, but it's also to prepare them for the fall so they can, you know, compete for their programs and make their programs 
contenders for Omaha or, or for Grand Junction or wherever, you know, our, our players are from. Yeah, David, you've heard me uh, say this before, but, um, you know, we've, we've developed a process. Every team has it. We're not, we don't have a, um, a monopoly on all things good recruiting. Um, in fact, most things that we do, we stole. But, uh, you know, we build relationships, and we started that a long time ago. And, um, you know, I'm an introverted, relationship-oriented guy. So I absolutely love in-depth relationships with whomever I'm working um, I have zero interest on doing a transaction with a coach. So the coaches that have stuck with me over the years are the ones who are interested in friendship and accountability to one another. And um, that's what they're looking for too. They're sending us their prized assets. Their jobs depend on whether these 18 to 22 year olds stay healthy and perform. So our job is to build a relationship with them where they can trust us and then put a product on the field that takes care of those guys. So you know, in 2015 and 2016, we went enough. We took care of guys well. We built our host family uh, uh, plan. We, we built the internship program. We started the Sabermetrics program. We were, we were uh, tilling the field, sharpening our saw, doing all the things that you do in the middle of a global pandemic when you can't play. But um, at the end of the day, it was taking time to build relationships. Corey's been doing this for 25 years. I mean, he's the best in the country at what he does and um, he gets that. And that was really, really appealing to me about him. I mentioned Carl Nonemaker at Auburn, Eddie Smith. Um, you know, I've known for 15 years. He was a, he used to be a coach at the University of Virginia. He's moved on to a couple of different steps, but he lands at LSU um, in a program where I've been working on Paul Maneri for a few years. And we end up with three dynamite. In fact, at one time, four dynamite players out of the LSU program, a team that, could have won the national championship this year. Um, the guy that we lost was um, probably going to be a freshman All-American named Alex Malazzo, who's got a major league defensive skill set behind the plate. They called me in March and said, Jeff, this kid after three weeks of playing, four weeks of playing, is the best defensive catcher we've ever had here. And we've got to send him to the Cape. That's the kind of relationship that I want with a coach where he's got the confidence to call me and know that he's not damaging the relationship because I want what's best for the kid. And if the kid who was supposed to probably uh, be a stud behind the plate, maybe not hit real well his freshman year, deserves to go to the Cape, let's get him to the Cape, you know? But he said, in, uh, in return, here's what I got for you. I got a, I got a three-year starter, a guy who's been a weekend starter for us in Baton Rouge and Mikel Hilliard, who, uh, who Corey just mentioned a minute ago. So his freshman year, he was a, he, he was a starter in, um, on the, in the weekend rotation for LSU. And he's pitched a whole lot of innings. He's the kind of kid you don't get in the Valley League very often. Not a hard thrower, but a kid who just knows how to make his ball move and make bats miss barrels. Um, but he also sent us a freshman left-hander that Corey knew well named uh, uh, Jacob Hasty. Jake, Jacob Hasty, uh, who left-hander, 92, 93. This kid will pitch in the major leagues one day. I mean, he's got that skill set if, we, if, we if, you know, if he continues to develop. And we still had an outfielder named Mitchell Sanford coming who will be a starter for LSU for, you know, one or two of the, of the three years that he plays down there. So great relationships at LSU. Florida did things a little differently this year. Instead of sending me um, sophomores in September, guys who maybe played in a lower level league like the Coastal Plains League or the Perfect Game League, they might jump to the Valley and then hopefully go to um, – to the Cape after their junior year. So they're not junior draft prospects. Florida doesn't have a lot of those guys, but they do have a few, and that's who we've typically gotten. 
they, they said, hey, Jeff, we're going to do this thing at the end of the spring once we know who our stud pitchers are who maybe only throw 15 or 20 innings. And we got two great young arms from them. Um, kind of as things were closing down, they knew they needed to send them out. So I was really excited about that. Really excited to bring the University of Georgia back. Scott Strickland is a coach that I've gotten to know over the, the last few years. He sent us a player named Brandon Webb a couple of years ago. Uh, but, it, but, but we had um, we had two really good guys coming, and then we added a third. When we lost Malazzo, we picked up one of his catchers. Um, I was really excited about that. Mississippi State, another interesting relationship. That relationship started with their pitching coach, Scott Foxall, because he is a the best friend of Carl Kuhn, who used to be on the UVA staff. Scott Foxall was at NC State. I worked with him to bring a player named Evan Justice here a couple of years ago. Evan got drafted last year. Um, Scott moved down to Mississippi State a couple of years ago, and he had, uh, at one point, four kids coming to us. Um, kid I was real excited in, Will uh, Bednar, who uh, I think he hit 98 this spring in an early, um, in an early outing. You know, Bednar was a kid probably that could have gone to the Cape, but, uh, you know, they, they liked the idea of him coming here, who's a Pennsylvania kid, so kind of from the mid-Atlantic region. So, you know, you, you know, just one after the other kind of in the SEC, which, you know, along with the ACC is the best conference in, in the country. Um, we have our, our, um, our normal relationships with the ACC who've been with us for a long time. We are always going to get a UVA player or three. And we had a kid named Mark LeBrew this year who was starting in the outfield for UVA, was going to stay and take some summer school, came up through the JUCO ranks, but really had, um, had become a fan favorite in Charlottesville. Virginia Tech is always going to send us a couple. They did um, this year. Xander Hamilton, who Corey has already mentioned. Clemson's going to send us a player or two every year. Uh, we had a fantastic sophomore player coming from them, guy that I was really, really excited about um, named Chad Ferry, who actually was uh, mentioned by the guys at D1 Baseball in the fall when they were out recruiting them. Is Pittsburgh um, is a new Wilson, relationship. Um, uh, we had a kid here last year named Gregory Ryan, but uh, Pitt started because Mike Bell used to be at Florida State when I was recruiting players um, out of the Florida State program. Mike went on to be the head coach at Pitt, and he's sending us his best two young non-Cape kids every year. So, you know, sometimes we get a Florida State kid. Occasionally we get a Duke kid. We've had a lot of Wake Forest kids in the past. Um, Georgia Tech um, was a new relationship last year. It's funny to see how quickly – they have just become raving fans of what we do somewhat because they send us an 86, 87 mile an hour lefty last year named Sam Crawford, who does an aerospace engineer uh, engineering internship with us while he's here. And Oh, by the way, he shows back up at campus and he's 92 to 94. So um, when you see that development, which has a little bit to do with us and our coaching staff and a lot to do with just giving the kid a chance to grow up, you know, and develop. You get those kinds of um, results, though. And, you know, Georgia Tech's already sent me a list of five kids for next year and asked me pretty much who do I want. So um, I'm real excited about those relationships. But let me – I'd be remiss if I didn't say um, that our program has not just been built on the ACC and SEC programs. Chris Finwood at Old Dominion, Rucker Taylor at Davidson, Mike Kennedy down – um, at Elon, certainly Sean Stifler at VCU. These guys run mid-major um, 
programs that are competing for regional appearances every year. And they're great men. They're in those jobs because that's where they want to be. They could take jobs in big programs down the road if that's what they want. But I love the fact that we can work with those guys and, and for their sophomores and juniors and the occasional freshman, the Gio Rivera, who's throwing 95, 96, those, um, for those kids, the Valley league is the Cape, you know, maybe they get a temp at the Cape, you know, after their junior year, but, um, but for them to come play in what might be the second, third, fourth best league in the country, that is a real win. And, um, as long as I'm doing this, we will not build this program just on the backs of the Power Five. We will build this program on the integrity of the relationships that I have with these coaches who will send us their prized assets. So long answer to your question, David, but I'm, I was really, really excited about our roster, and I hardly even touched on our pitching, you know, so. And it's not even the D1 guys, guys too. too. I mean, you go back to 2017 when – I got guys like Rick Spires and Cole Millerini came out of Randolph-Macon or, of course, the College of Worcester who sent us Michael Olansky, who was probably the best player in team history, as well as Dan Harwood last year. Those guys are super important from those smaller D3 schools and the JUCO ranks as well. Yeah, it's a really, really good question, a really good uh, statement. I, um, I set a goal in 2017 to have five Division three kids in our program every year. And the reason, um, you know, let's say we draw 100 kids to a, to a summer game um, in the evening. You know, um, if, if, those, if the statistics are correct, you know, three or four of those kids are going to be able to play college baseball one day. And almost every single one of them is going to play Division three baseball. There aren't many kids um, who turn into uh, Shane Marshall, 6'4", 220-pound catcher out of Georgia Tech who was coming to us. Um, they're just not built that way. I mean, we, we – um, um, you know, they, they look more like Michael Walansky, who's a 6'2", 175-pound kid who just has unbelievable bat speed and the ability to get a barrel on the ball. So, um, you know, it, it really gives the fans that are in our program, um, you know, kind of a, a chance to see what they might have a chance to become. A lot of folks won't know this, but Michael Walansky came here on a temp contract. Dan Harwood last year from Wooster came here on a temp contract. I had given Rick uh, Spires a full contract, but I gave Nick Roth and Cole Migliorini both a, uh, a temp contract, and they earned the right to stay here. I was really excited about a, um, a Division three kid coming out of Scranton um, in, in Pennsylvania, um, Scranton, home of the office, right? Well, all of our favorite shows probably. Um, this kid, his name was Connor Harding. He's 6'2", 205. He has um, the physicality to compete at a Division I level or a high JUCO level. It just got missed, maybe, maybe because he was a late bloomer. But the kid was a, it would have been a two-time All-American by the time he got here. Has a chance to be one of those 12 to 15 kids a year that's drafted out of Division Three baseball. And, and for him, this was a home run opportunity. Was really disappointed that we weren't able to get him here. I, I'd love to hear Corey talk a little bit about the JUCO route. Most of our fans wouldn't know that for three out of the five years that we have um, operated this team, we have not had the ability to bring a JUCO kid to Charlottesville. Because if you have a Division One coach like Brandon Cogswell last year, 
or Mike Goldberg our first year or Travis Thomas our second year. You can't have a JUCO guy on your roster. So having Corey here and watching him build a staff of non-Division One coaches, crazy rules that we've got out there, but it really opened up some opportunities to get a couple of kids out of Corey's program, out of Wallace Community College. Um, you know, we're talking to Chipola and – you know, some of the better programs that are out there right now because of Corey's relationships. So I was really excited about kind of what he was bringing to the recruiting table um, in that way. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of kids that can really, really play at the junior college level. And I think we're starting to see that, you know, I've been, I've been coaching at the junior college level for 21 years. So I feel like we've always had great players, but on a national stage, when it comes to the major league draft or to division one programs, Junior college players tend to get missed, and for that reason, um, a lot of kids at the junior college level were going out to Kansas, playing in, in the Kansas League or the Northwoods or the Coastal Plains because you, you had those D1 coaches that were coaching in, in the Valley and, and uh, even in the Cape in some respects. Um, so they weren't able to go and play there. Um, so we did. We, we, we've had some really good players that we've sent to some pretty good places. I was bringing a couple this year. One of the rules that we have at the junior college level is if they're returning to me at San Jack, they can't play for me during the summer. Um, so we had a couple kids, a few kids that were, were coming, uh, one in Antonio Valdez, who was a freshman All-American at Incarnate Word University his, his, uh, his freshman year, transferred to us at San Jack, um, was hitting close to 380 for us uh, before we got hit with the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, and we're shut down. He's going to Baylor. Um, we'll be in their mix, hit at the top of their lineup, play second or third base for them. Um, and then Chase Wilkerson, who was uh, going to Auburn. He's an Alabama kid. Carl Nonmaker uh, had known him from high school. He was a Florida State commit out of high school. Um, dual committed with us, dual signed with us. Ended up coming to us, was a uh, um, a third baseman, Maine, primarily as a freshman for us, played third base. I think he played in 49 out of 56 games for us. Um, I'm sorry, 53 out of 56 games, was on base 40, 49 times, uh, hit at the top of our lineup. Uh, could pitch his freshman year, but he was too valuable um, at third base for us. His sophomore year, he pitched quite a bit for us, actually started a few games. He's 89 to 93, can run it up to 95 in short uh, stints. Um, had a really, really good breaking ball, uh, curveball and slider with extremely, extremely high spin rates. In fact, his spin rate on his slider would have been in the top five at Major League Baseball. Um, he, was, he was able to really, really spin his slider. So he has, an, he has a chance to go to Auburn and, and be very good for them on the mound. If he gets the opportunity offensively to play for them, that's a bonus for Auburn. Um, but I think they're bringing him in primarily to pitch, and I think he'll he'll find a role there in the SEC. Um, so that's a you know that's two guys right there for my program that I thought could come and, and compete. Um, you know there were some other guys that were coming from Walter State that we we had had a chance to see play that were fantastic. And, uh, you know, along with Jeff and, and my connections at the junior college level, as well as the four-year level, I feel like we can get some guys from the major D, uh, D1 JUCOs, the Chipolas, the Wabash Valleys, um, the, the, the McLennans, the, the Graysons, 
um, we could get some of those guys that are that are high level JUCO guys that are Power Five commits or that are high level uh, uh, mid major commitments that can come up to the valley and, and help us. Um, and when you got, you know, I'm I'm new to this, so I kind of figure uh, I, I'm figuring out how it goes. But you got a long summer, and I know how it goes. Some kids are going to play off the summer and and either be shut down or want to go home, and you got to fill that that void there. So you know, you can mix and match and, and, and work your roster in that respect. And so it's good to have those kind of connections. Yeah, it's an interesting point, too. Uh, David, you'll remember back in 2016 when we drove down to Covington for the last game of the year, and I think we had 10 players, if I'm not mistaken, on our roster that day out of the 30 that we keep. Um, we've learned a few, a few lessons. I mean, we had 50 kids under contract, partially because 20 of those kids would have made postseason play with the way their teams were playing. And, you know, when you've got kids coming out of LSU and Auburn and Mississippi State and Virginia and Florida, those kids may not show up. You may remember Justin Novak in or 2015 after UVA won the national championship. He didn't get here until July 1st. Sometimes we tell those kids when they finish, you know, you know, June 22nd, June 23rd, take a week to 10 days off. You need it. And, uh, and then come play out the rest of the season but we need guys to get us to the, there because the first, you know, 25 games of the season matter as well. That's one of the beauties of the JUCO guy. We were going to have Antonio Valdez. Again, he was a freshman All-American at Incarnate Word, would have been a JUCO All-American this year at San Jack, and will go to a, an elite top 20 program in the country and compete for a starting lot, a job. He would have come in for the month of June this year and then shown up at Baylor for the second semester of summer school to get acclimated there. So we figured out a way to pair a guy like Antonio Valdez um, with um, maybe a guy like uh, Mitchell Sanford um, at LSU, um, just, you know, or, or another Jaden Jackson at Georgia Tech, somebody who plays a complimentary position, but is going to play the second half of the season when the other guy plays the first one. So um, you know, that's that's part of the way these Division three smaller school guys, um, you know, get their, um, their, their temp opportunities, too. When Michael Walansky comes in, it's because Max Bazin was playing at Texas A&M in the Super Regionals in 2017. And lo and behold, Max comes here, fractures his, uh, uh, his jaw, and Michael Walansky gets to say all summer, you know, bat 440 and become probably the player of the decade in the Valley League at a Division Three Wooster. So, you know, it really is interesting what we've learned year to year. And uh, hopefully the roster is a little better. You know, last year we really finished the season, even though we had to bring in a few reinforcements at the end. We had 30 guys in the in the championship game when I think, at least in the semifinals, maybe Stanton was down to – 10 or 11 players and was playing four pitcher only's positionally just to get through the game. You know, we got chances to win championships when we do our back office duties. Um, and that's, that's my job, you know? So um, it's been great having Corey invested in the process. Cause I think we're, um, we're turning over every stone across the country right now. So I was going to, I'm looking here at our roster and I was um, excited about a couple of things we had, we had at least three kids on our roster who were freshman All-Americans. So Antonio Valdez would be one. Al Womack was another. I played baseball with Al Womack's dad in high school. His name was Tony Womack. He was a major league baseball player for about 15 years. Um, 
and then uh, we had a kid named Matty Brown coming out of Wofford, who was a middle switch hitting middle infielder, five eight, you know, hundred eighty pound dirt bag, who just um, Corey would have loved this guy because nobody would have played any harder than this kid. So I was really excited about that. But then I was excited about the way some of these kids were started. Jaden Jackson at Georgia Tech will be be a top five round draft pick in two years, and he was playing second base for Georgia Tech from his uh, from basically day one. Sam Thompson out of TCU, an Oklahoma kid that came to us in March, um, was just having a fantastic year. Was listed as one of the top 100 uh, freshman hitters in the country. He's really excited about that. I already mentioned Will Bednar from uh, Mississippi State, Jacob Hasty from LSU, Gio Rivera from Old Dominion. So you got these freshmen. Oftentimes these freshmen are coming in and you know, they've had 30 or 40 at-bats or maybe thrown eight to ten innings, maybe maybe even no innings. And we were going to have a chance to have a bunch on the roster that really had already played an entire season. And um, that's how you win. You win by combining the Valdez, Womack, Matty Browns of the world who, um, who've proven it over time. They know how to win. They know how to prepare every day. Um, with that high-end talent that's going to find itself at the top of a draft in the next couple of years. I was really excited. Um, I was talking to Rich Maloney at Ball State the other day about a kid that was here two summers ago named Kyle Nicholas. Kyle hit 100 this past spring uh, pitching at, at, at uh, Ball State. Um, you know, he came here as a, a kid who had thrown about 25 innings as a freshman, had a 25-inning limit. I think he hit 96, 97 the summer he was here, but he probably walked a batter for every uh, one he struck out. And, you know, those of you who know me know that I love pitchers who control the strike zone. Um, in summer baseball, it is so hard to string together three hits with a wood bat and score runs. So if guys are not on base via walks or hit by pitches, teams just don't score. That's why our ERAs historically are a run better than most teams in the Valley because our – strikeout to walk ratio is so good. So uh, Kyle Nicholas isn't, isn't necessarily the standard bearer for throwing strikes, but when a kid's got 96 in his arm as a freshman and 100 in his arm as a junior, um, you'll roll the dice on that kid. In fact, Corey's got a kid right now. I was just watching his video the other day in his San Jack program. Luke Little, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He hit 105 the other day, as I recall. Um, Pretty cool because that kid is a JUCO player. He's un he was under the radar screen, and he's going to be a top what forty pick in the draft um, in, a, in in a couple of weeks. So we hope so. I would, yeah, yeah I mean, he's so. he, he's a fantastic player, and and not the only one. I mean, we yeah, yeah we have quite a few. You know, Brandon Birdsell is another guy that we had at San Jack this past year that that runs at ninety six to ninety seven with a ninety one mile an hour slider, and yeah. Parker can run his fastball 92 to 94 from the left side with the absolute hammer splitter and curveball. And our, our pitching staff was very, very good. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to what, what Jeff is putting together. I mean, I, the, the, the best thing for me is being surrounded by good players and, and even more so being surrounded by a good back office that's able to, to put those players together. And honestly, I'm really excited about the young, uh, the, 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 the combination of young coaches and us older coaches that, that have been established here with this program. I mean, we're looking at, at a guy like John Maley, who, who has coached for 30 years at every level, from Texas State University to Incarnate Word um, to the Division II level and was a head coach at the junior college level. 
uh, Brett Mays and Christopher uh, Madison, two young coaches that are fired up to get after it and learn. And, and, you know, I'm not a, I've learned very much from, from our coaches here at San Jack and Tom Arrington has done a great job. He's a hall of fame coach. Um, he doesn't want yes men. Um, he wants guys that, that are, are willing to give their, their opinions and, and all put their heads together and win ball games that way. And, you know, that's why I bring a guy like James Kirk, who I respect a lot. He's, he's been around it. He's coached at Sam Houston state university. He's an assistant volunteer assistant coach for us at San Jack. And, and to have him on the bench next to me uh, uh, means a lot. So with, with the coaching staff that we got, with the players that, that we recruit, and more importantly with the, the, the relationships at the Division I uh, and junior college level that we have, we feel like we can put together a winning product and we can make the, the, the town of Charlottesville extremely excited about summer baseball. And, you know, with what we're going through now, I know those people are chomping at the bit to have some good product put out on the field, and, and I think that this, it's going to be a great summer next summer. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, as well. I was just yeah. looking down my list, David, of 2021s. Um, we already have commitments from LSU, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, North Carolina for the first time. Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, TCU, Coastal Carolina, and East Carolina. I haven't mentioned either, either of those programs yet, but they're sending us absolute phenoms right now. I'm real excited about that. Dallas Baptist program that tried to send us a couple of players this year. We just didn't have any room for them, but they've been a, an Omaha team. VCU, Old Dominion, Davidson, Wofford, and Liberty. You know, there are a couple of other programs on there whose names I didn't mention yet. UVA, um, we'll get a guy, but we don't at this point have a guy identified. Oregon, Stanford, and Cal all on the West Coast right now are schools that um, every year um, call and we try to figure somebody out. It's hard sometimes to get a kid to come 3,000 miles across the country, but um, for an internship or, you know, just a different life experience that happens sometimes. In fact, we had a couple of Oregon kids coming this year and just last minute because of the way this virus was spreading, they had decided to stay home. Um, you know, Corey and I have really hit this JUCO market hard, and there are four or five programs right now that I'm really excited about. A lot of those schools are still waiting to see what the rosters will look like because, you know, um, we were talking about, um, Corey, what was it? Uh, was it Walter State up in uh, upper mid, mid, uh, Midwest? And, um, you know, I saw just the other day they got a kid out of North Carolina. They got a kid out of Coastal Carolina. So these are kids who went off. Maybe they went a little farther from home. They're coming a little closer. Maybe they went away and they just didn't like that experience and they wanted to come, you know, play at a JUCO level. Maybe, maybe they wanted to get drafted after their sophomore year and, uh, and so they're going the JUCO route. So it's going to be a fascinating roster. Um, we got a lot of work to do outside of baseball to make this thing happen in terms of, you know, uh, uh, just finding a cure for this, um, this COVID-19 virus that's um, – it's got us all locked down, but I'm, I'm real excited about it. Real yeah, the, the junior college recruiting uh, for summer ball happens a little later. And yeah. a lot of that has to do with the draft. It has to do with midterm transfers. Um, the, you know, the roster for junior college, whether it's at San Jack or Chipola or Walter State or Central uh, Southern Nevada or, or wherever it is, the better programs, the top echelon programs, State College of Florida, um, McLennan, Grayson, they're going to bring guys in at mid midterm, guys that decide. You know what? I'm at a four. I'm at 
high school or a mid-major school, and I'm not going to get the playing time that either I was promised or I feel like I need. Um, and so they'll cut loose at midterm. Yeah. This year is even more important because of the COVID situation. The fact that the draft is now going down to five rounds is a huge determining factor. Um, a lot of the guys that were, that were freshmen going into those schools are now looking at a roster crunch. And everybody at those schools now have a year of eligibility given back to them. And so those juniors that were possibly going to be drafted are now not going to be drafted. They're coming back as juniors. Those incoming freshmen now are looking at, whoa, I'm now stuck behind two, two classes instead of one. So there's going to be a lot of different movement, movement things that are going to go on at the junior college level. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of really, really good power, power arms and, and, and power bats at the junior college level that we're going to have to hit up and, and make sure we get on our roster next year because those would be those, those freshman guys that would have been at those power five schools that, that we needed to get in that route. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's fascinating because I'm a guy who, um, who likes to recruit 14 months advance in, in advance. And some of the best guys that we got for this year's roster, Corey, were the, the kids that you called me about a month ago, you know, or two months ago uh, because they, they blew up and they were available. So in fact, I was listening to a Valley League YouTube um, uh, video the other day with Tyler Hoffman, who runs one of our peer programs in Waynesboro. Tyler was saying, you know, his, his philosophy has changed. He fills about half his roster in the fall and saves the other half for the spring, tends to find the best kids that he's offered are the kids in, that he gets a call about in April or May. We, we may need to do that. Um, you know, I go back to that Auburn relationship with Carl Nonemaker. I think we identified five kids last August before they ever hit grounds um, in, in, uh, in Auburn, Alabama. And of those five that we were going to sign, the only one that stuck was Chase Wilkerson. And we, he really wasn't even their kid. He was a San Jack kid. Um, the reality is that when you have these enduring, um, transparent relationships with these coaches, you can identify those five kids in August and they have, um, they have the confidence that they can call you in February or even May and say, you know, I know we had these five kids. I'm still going to send you four, but they're going to be four new kids, and you're going to like them better. And sometimes that's a character thing. Sometimes it's an academic thing. Sometimes it's a baseball thing. Sometimes it's just a fit. And um, that's the beauty of this thing for me. I am uber competitive, and as a 50-year-old guy – I don't have but so many avenues to, uh, to do that. So I want to win this recruiting battle every year. Um, but I, I want to have these kinds of relationships with these coaches that go even beyond just the wins. One of the things before we finish, David, I wanted to shout out to you and to Drew, who, who've done so much for this organization, kind of behind the scenes with our interns and with our media and, and technology. One of the things that I hear when I hit the recruiting trail is that we're doing things that nobody else is doing from the YouTube channels and, and being able to post um, graphically appealing um, things about these kids. They like seeing their, their pictures on the internet and uh, they like hearing their names. And, you know, we have 25 to 30 interns every year and we get mocked for that by some of the other teams in the, in our conference who, who just don't have the, bounty of opportunity that we have because we live in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, in a city with UVA and their 20,000 students. So, you know, our host family program is great. The fact that we'll provide an internship for any kid that wants one when he's here, 
you just don't find that other places and you couldn't build it in most other places because we don't have the, um, you don't have the business incubator environment that we have here in Charlottesville. So, um, you guys are doing a great job. Um, I love this behind the scenes stuff. I love finding a guy like Corey out there and helping him get to live a little bit of his dream here. And I love the fact that these 50 kids were going to come through Charlottesville this summer. They were going to undoubtedly win another championship and uh, um, build a lifelong memory. Um, that, that's pretty exciting to me. That's about as good as it gets on the competitive front for me. So anyway. yeah, before, before we wrap up, um, obviously coach, you're from around Houston, Texas. Um, it's a big shift going, coming all the way up here to Charlottesville. Um, but what are some of the things you were looking forward to doing here in Charlottesville come this summer and come likely next summer as well? So, yeah, I'm, I'm here in Houston, Texas. I've been here 20 some odd years. I'm originally from, I say originally, I lived for four years up in upstate New York. So um, I, I'm an East coast guy in that respect. Um, and one of the huge, one of the big things I really enjoy is, is trout fishing. And so I was looking forward to some having some off time and being able to get into into those uh, German Browns or some rainbows and hopefully finding some secluded areas. I know that, uh, you know, there's some downtime and, and I looked forward to that. Um, but I was really, really looking forward to the town of Charlottesville. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Um, I know the University of Virginia is a, a beautiful place. I'd like to just walk the campus and, and, and be able to get out there and see that. Um, but most importantly, I think what I was really, really excited about was maintaining and building the, the, the culture there in Charlottesville and making the, the town really excited about coming out each night and, and watching baseball, quality baseball and being able to win and, and you know, getting those players out there and, and getting them the, the reps they need to prepare them for, for their, their fall season and protecting arms and, and knowing the right way to win and the right way to make sure that coaches – feel comfortable sending their guys year in, year in and year out out to Charlottesville and hopefully making this one of the best places in the entire world to go and play summer collegiate baseball, um, whether it's Puerto Rico or, or the Cape or, or California. I want Charlottesville to, to be up there with everybody that, at, at that level. So we're excited about it. My wife is excited about it. Um, my family is excited about it. Uh, so we look forward to it. Well, I hope all of you are excited about having Coach Kohler here as well. And we'd like to thank both of you for joining us today on Tom Sox Conversations. You'll see more of these Tom Sox Conversations coming up shortly on Tom Sox TV as well as our various social media. So if you're not already, please make sure to go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more of this content as well as to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tom Sox TV, to see more of this content all summer long in building up until we return in the summer of 2021. Jeff and Corey, thanks once again for joining me today for Tom Sox Conversations, and we will see all of you soon here on Tom Sox TV.